You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. It's a podcast. We have a podcast still. Uh, I think I referenced this on our last show that like each kind of uh, year around this time, we tend to fall off on podcasting a little bit, but that we hadn't done that this year. And well, we did it. And uh, <laughs> we've been gone for a little while, but we are back. And uh, it took uh, Taylor Swift bringing us back. We're going to be talking about her new single tonight, Me, and the uh, collaboration with Brendan Urie and much more, which uh, is super exciting. Um, but in the meantime, uh, if you haven't been to it's all dead.com lately, we've got all kinds of uh, great stuff coming out there uh, just uh, this week. Um, new reviews up on The Damned Things, High Crimes, an album that I uh, think very highly of. And uh, if you like rock and roll music, might be something you want to check out. We've also got the conclusion of Nadia's review um, of Marina's new album, Love and Fear. She split the review into halves, kind of because the album was released in halves, but the, the review for the second half of that is up um, with uh, lots more stuff to come on the way. But I'm really excited to get this podcast back rolling again. Thank you all for uh, sticking with us for our short little break there. Um, again, if you like our show and you listen to it irregularly, maybe this is the first time you're ever listening, we would love to have you subscribe. Just pull up uh, the podcast app on your smartphone, search for It's All Dead, hit the subscribe button, and uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you like about the show. Um, the reviews really do help, um, just in terms of if this is a show that you like and believe in. Um, certainly, uh, hitting the subscribe button and, and leaving those reviews help the show get out to even more people. So we always appreciate it. If you do listen to the show and I know there's a lot of you out there, um, leave us a review and uh, thanks in advance for, for doing that. So um, we're going to try to have some fun tonight talking about Taylor Swift. I am joined. Uh, my name is Kyle Hawk, by the way. I don't even know if I introduced myself, but um, I tend to do that usually. So hi, I'm Kyle and joining me is another Kyle. Kyle Schultz up in Chicago. What's up? Hello, hello. How are you doing this evening? Oh, not too bad. Uh, it is finally kind of becoming spring again, so I think I can be happy. Yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Like if we could be like happy. I don't know. That might be kind of neat. Well, I'm... it was raining today, and uh, two days ago there was almost a foot of snow in some areas near me, so that's oh, always God. cool. Get out. Uh, I can't. I can't take Chicago anymore, Kyle. I may, may just <laughs> never come visit you again. So just, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a whippersnapper. <laughs> um, we are podcasting uh, because Taylor Swift released a new single. We both love Taylor Swift. We've talked about her on this podcast before. We usually review her albums when they come out. I wrote this really long piece several years ago about how she won me back over with 1989, and. I think the thing that kind of surprised me, I, I mean, we did this kind of funny piece on the side about five things that the countdown on our website might be leading towards. And obviously we knew there was, there was going to be new music, but I, I was surprised at the initial announcement uh, that this might happen because so for years, I mean, she kind of did the standard two years in between albums, um, but then between 1989 and reputation, she took a little bit longer of a break. And given that reputation has only been out like a year and a half, I mean, really, it's been kind of like just over a year. It feels longer than that for some reason, but it really hasn't been out that long. In my mind, I was thinking like, there's no way she's releasing new music yet. 
Um, so when this kind of all came about, Kyle, like where were you at? I know you, I think you had her listed on the most anticipated for this year. And it, I guess if I would have guessed she was going to put out new music, I would have thought it would be late in the year. But here we are uh, in April and we've got new Taylor Swift music on our hands. Yeah, no, um, I kind of assumed it was in the two-year cycle, and I assumed in two years we'd have music, so uh, I was kind of expecting maybe a single right around Christmas sometime there. I didn't see it coming now. Um, yeah. And especially the countdown started almost two weeks out, so it left two weeks go of me just being like, there's no way it's this quick. <laughs> Yeah, at a certain point, it was like, this just has to be new music. And of course, the night before, you know, last Thursday evening, I got a text from Nadia um, that there had been like, I don't know if it was a billboard or the news that started to break. Like, it's a new single, it's called Me, and it's featuring Brendan Urie. And that was the thing that really kind of got me amped up in a way. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But what was, so I immediately sent you a Facebook message about it. What was your first reaction when you saw that she and Brendan were doing a track together? Uh, I basically reread the message about seven times and then took, got the courage to uh, actually Google it and find out what was going on. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the song hadn't been released yet, but uh, the internet was ripe with speculation. And someone had found a listing that it was a pop punk song. So people were like, oh, maybe she's going into punk music. That'd be something <laughs> new for her to do. Uh, you know, it just changed genres entirely. And it, there were about four or five hours where it was just looking around, just like, what is about to happen now? <laughs> right. And so uh, immediately I was kind of taken aback. And then the more I thought about it, the more it kind of made sense to me. And we're, we're going to talk about the song Me. Uh, we're going to talk about the collaboration. We're going to talk about the music video and kind of our anticipation for the album. But I want to go back in time. And I can't remember if I've ever talked about this on, on this podcast. But uh, to go back to probably the fall of 2006, um, I had just graduated college and I'd gotten a job, my my first big job out of college working at a country music radio station. So my background was in broadcasting and uh, I was going to work at a country station and uh, it was exciting because it was a huge station, award winning station, a lot of really cool people there. I knew nothing about country music. But what I remember most about that time in my life in terms of the background music, the soundtrack, when I when I think of that period Panic of the Disco is a fever you can't sweat out, which seems impossible now, given how big Brendan Urie is in this current moment and how much like, I mean, just what his artistic journey has been um, as a pop star. It's crazy, like how long this has gone on, because I, I think back to that 2006 moment and you could have talked me into that being like a, a flash in the pan moment for Panic of the Disco. And certainly it was just the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. But another another thing about that time of year is that. Um, so I was getting acquainted with country music. Obviously, I was a DJ and playing the music. And there was a new artist that had just come out. And her name was Taylor Swift. And she had a couple songs. Uh, Tim McGraw and I believe Teardrops on My Guitar were regular tracks that we would play. And I'm, I'm not a country music fan. But of course, I was in this scenario listening to more country than I ever had. And Taylor was really the one that kind of caught my ear the most. I just really enjoyed the music. I enjoyed like the idea of like, kind of these really cool songs for somebody that was like 14, 15 years old at the time. It just felt like she was writing music that was beyond her years. And so you've got Taylor, who's kind of just coming into the scene, but really only known 
in country music circles as kind of a new artist. And then, of course, Panic the Disco, who's on the cover of Rolling Stone in 2006. And so to think that how much, how interesting these two careers have looked over the past 13 years, it's fascinating to see them now collaborating on this huge track. Yeah, no, it's a very interesting. I totally agree. I honestly thought Panic at the Disco would just be a flash in the pan uh, when they first came out because I love the album, but uh, it was one of those that it didn't seem like it had longevity to uh, continue on. And I guess that's probably why the band started changing their sound so quickly. Right. But um, yeah, it's really weird to see these worlds collide just because seeing where both of them started also and how they're now uh, the career paths are kind of joining just in the realm of pop um, it's really weird to find them conquering the scene even though neither of them started there either right so I know that you're a Taylor Swift fan but when did your fandom of her like when did she kind of come into under your radar as somebody that you were like actively listening to or following um I just by happen chance happened to hear the song State of Grace uh, off the mm. album Red. Just mm-hmm. I forget how or why, but it just kind of hit me and I absolutely loved it. And I listened to Red and I fell in love with it and then started working my way back. And I really liked Red because I have never been a big fan of country music, but I liked that because it was a nice middle ground um, between country and you could hear the transition into pop and uh, it wasn't too heavy-handed one way or the other, but I started working backwards and kind of started going into the country realm and enjoying it, and uh, she got me to listen to more country music then, but uh, Red is where I fell in love with her, and maybe a year after that album came out is when I first listened to it. Yeah, that's... Uh, that is interesting, and I, I think Red actually might be my favorite album of hers, and of course... Red was kind of the beginning of that crossover to the pop sound that she kind of fully picked up with 1989. But of course, before any of this, she had kind of exploded. So, you know, Panic stayed um, relatively in the limelight through Pretty Odd, or at least around the release of that album. I mean, I know they were on Saturday Night Live uh, when Nine in the Afternoon came out. They were still kind of there. But in the course of a couple of years, Taylor Swift went from being kind of this new country artist to being like one of the big stars not only in country music but just in mainstream music in general um fearless really kind of like pushed things over the edge for her but what's interesting and i I was thinking about this because like it's like oh it's this crazy thing of like the scene colliding with taylor swift with this brendan and and taylor collaboration so i'm I'm sure a lot of people know this that follow you know or used to follow all these tumblr accounts or like you know watching these artists every single move but uh one of the things I remember about Taylor Swift kind of in that time where she was starting to cross over a little bit more into like the pop music consciousness was that she was on a track uh, on Boys Like Girls' second album, Love Drunk. I think it's called Two Is Better Than One, the yeah. name of the track maybe. But at the so. time it was like she was featured on a Boys Like Girls album, which feels weird because they were kind of a big band at that time and that album was a big deal. They were on a major label and so it was kind of cool one for Taylor to have that feature on a album that was kind of, uh, I don't know, a big sort of pop release that year, but also Taylor was big in her own right. And it was crazy that boys like girls had on the album. But if you go back even further um, early on, Taylor would post these like tour videos on MySpace, And I uh, remember reading about how one of them, 
had like an Academy is song playing in the background. I think it might've been uh, slow down. Um, and then there was a MTV show that she was on where she was wearing like a boys like girls hoodie. And it's really fascinating to think about nice. uh, Taylor kind of having this love of the scene that I think most people probably weren't even thinking about because her like main fan demographic may or may not have been into that but not certainly not in a level where everybody was going to be picking up on it and i remember even a couple years ago there was a video it was like a gosh was it on snapchat or something somebody caught it where she was i think it was she was having a birthday party and she and Haley williams and chris caraba were like up on a stage together <laughs> performing i think they were performing hands down together and so and and also Haley williams was in the music video for bad blood with taylor so like it's i the minute i started thinking more about this collaboration with brennan yuri i started thinking about oh my gosh there's like all these lines you can connect and draw between taylor and like all these major artists that have come out of the scene, some of them who were still successful in a completely different way. And some who were just kind of a, a big deal at the time, like boys, like girls or whatever. But I don't know. Have you thought about any of this? Or I feel like I'm probably the only one who's like been connecting all these dots and thinking about it. Cause this, to me, this new song just feels like a culmination of all of that. Like it's probably been in the works that Taylor and Brendan would work together for years. It's just that they finally decided to do it now or something. Yeah, no, it was something I've kind of secretly been hoping for for a long time, uh, specifically after there were all those stories about how she and Haley Williams were friends. And that started coming out right around the time when uh, Haley Williams was married to Chad from Newfound Glory. And I had that moment of like, oh, one step away from Newfound Glory. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the uh, what are the chances that we get to say anything in defense of the genre type album from Taylor Swift in which every track features like different vocalists from the scene. Uh, I would say that would be like a 2% chance, but I'm hoping please. <laughs> Can you imagine a Max Bemis and uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift collaboration? <laughs> Here's a duet of teardrops on my guitar with Anthony Crean. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I would listen to that. Um, okay. So tell me though, Let's go back to Brendan Urie for a second. This is crazy, right? I mean, we talked mm -hmm. about this a little bit last year, maybe even the past couple of years of like, well, I know it was pretty recently we did a podcast and we were talking about like, how nuts is it that Brendan now has a completely new fan base, like a, a like a large, huge group of people that are that love everything he does that were not listening to him at all during a fever or pretty odd. Like he's developed this ginormous audience he's a bona fide pop star he just had basically the biggest hit of his life with high hopes how crazy is it that now like if you could go back and talk to 2006 or 2007 kyle and be like hey in 2019 brendan's going to be on a taylor swift song and it's going to be like the biggest thing that happens in music in a, in a year like i mean what i I just, it's crazy to me that we're at this point now. I mean, I, it doesn't surprise me because it's been coming for a while, but I mean, now that it's here, it is wild to think about. In 2006, I would have totally believed it. Um, you know, Panic were the biggest band there was, uh, and it, they really did feel unstoppable, but like a year, year and a half later, you couldn't have convinced me because Pretty Odd just tanked, and uh, it just felt like something they almost couldn't bounce back from. But what's remarkable about Brendan Urie is he's reinvented his career like three times so far and each time he just keeps getting bigger and bigger and better um you know he had to come back with vices and virtues and teach himself all the instruments how to write music and everything uh or at least to a higher extent than he was before so that was his first time just reinventing everything and it's less emo more pop 
Um, and then I can never remember the title of this one, Too Old to Live, Too Young to Die or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll never get it right, and I apologize for nothing. Um, <laughs> you know, you focus more on electronic music with it, and it wasn't as big of a hit, but it was just something new. And he never really shied away with that and kind of uh, mixed the electronic aspect and the old school uh, rock music for Death of a Bachelor and for Pray for the Wicked. And he's finally culminated all that together. And I think this is arguably the third time he's reinvented his sound and uh, he's found the perfect blend for it. Yeah. And I, I know we've talked about all this before, but it just bears talking about again, I guess, because I, you know, you're right. I guess around 2006, 2007, it could have made sense. But I'd say by 2011, 12, like that area it would have been like a long shot, but something like that would ever happen. And I, yeah. I, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. At that point, it just seemed like, you know, it, it was, it was just another one of those bands that they'd found their high point, kind of like yellow card where they uh, had their single. They were kind of a household name. Everyone knew them, but they're never going to be back on that pedestal. They're just yeah. kind of there and just another band. Yeah. And I, I remember interviewing Brendan for pop matters, right. As vices, vices and virtues was about to come out and talking a lot about kind of, he'd never written songs before. And, Ryan Ross was gone and he, it was kind of all on him. And I, you know, and I, I liked that album, but I, I still remember thinking like, well, I mean, it's cool that he was able to pull this off, but you know, it's uh it was a fun run. You know, I, I never would have imagined what would come next and, and too rare to live uh, too, too weird to live too rare to die. I, God damn, I don't know what it's called either, but You're that, welcome. that just, just goes to show you that album was kind of meh for me. And I, <laughs> my, I've made my feelings known about death of a bachelor uh, as well. But it's just something happened and he, I mean, he has this natural charisma and that's going to be fun to talk about when we talk about this video. Cause like he is dancing and all the, I mean, he's just, he's incredible to watch. Like he's just an amazing human being to watch do things. And, you know, I mean, that's part of the appeal as well, but the, the whole thing has just been fascinating. Um, but this isn't a panic of the disco podcast. We're going to talk about Taylor. Let's, let's talk about the song and, so I, for a long time, have been somebody that this this happened a lot um, for me, where the first single Taylor releases from an upcoming album, I always don't like it. And for a while, I thought it was just me. But now over time, like, it's clear it's a thing. There's a lot of people that have the same thing. And it's almost kind of like a joke that the first single isn't very good. And but then you end up loving the album or eventually liking the song anyway. I don't know what your experience is with that, but I'd say it's like four albums in a row probably now where the first single was kind of like, okay, or or at best, or like, I don't like this at all. I don't feel that way about me. I, I feel kind of like it's fine, you know, but I wouldn't want a whole album of it. Um, what What's your general reaction to like these first singles she releases? Oh, no, I totally agree. I don't have, um, you know, years of experience. I only have two records where I've kind of been anticipating it, but... I despise the first uh, singles that come out. When Shake It Off came out, I was like, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's one of those things where I was almost embarrassed to listen to it, especially, you know, the part like, get down to this sick beat. And you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> I can't yeah. do this. But, uh, you know, the album comes out and they fare a lot, lot better. And then you know, after the first listen of just them in the middle of the album itself, uh, you fall in love with the songs as is. And they, also the first singles usually don't sound anything like the rest of the album as a whole. 
Yeah. And uh, just to cap around the Shake It Off, it's now one of my favorite songs, and I just got down to it really, really hard at a wedding this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I still have not come around on Shake It Off. I don't know if I ever will. but uh... Oh, you will. Give it time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's the same thing. And so this time I went into it kind of knowing, I think it's the first time I was like, okay, I'm prepared that this probably shouldn't set my expectations for the album and I may not be crazy about it. And that's exactly what it was. And so I'm not worried about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm just kind of like, okay, that was fine. Um, and we'll see what the album brings. I, now the, the whole conversation kind of the narrative to the lead up of this was like, it, everything's colorful and she's sharing all these kind of like pictures that are bright and light and, you know, cause reputation was so dark. And of course the music video opens with that snake that like bursts into butterflies. It, it's pretty obvious that like, she's not going to follow the thread from reputation. And I, I've got a feeling at this point, and we, we can talk about this a little bit more deeply. I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but mm-hmm. I've got a feeling like years from now, we're going to look back at reputation as kind of that weird album. Like, like every greatest artist has kind of that album that feels a little bit different than the rest of them. Doesn't really match the tone where you can tell they were really indulging kind of their own uh, artistic desires in the moment. And that I really think that's what reputation is going to be. Yeah, no, I feel like we're already there. Um, if you listen to, you know, all of our albums going up to it, uh, you know, the difference between our self-titled 1989 are pretty stark, but you can hear uh, the influence leading up to it. Like, you can hear her in 1989. Reputation just doesn't sound like her. Like, it almost sounds like a forced thing. Like, she wanted to be uh, in a place where she could put out kind of a, a an aggressive album, but that's not really her. It didn't feel genuine. It didn't... I don't know. I didn't feel a lot of uh, connection to it. And it's just yeah. something that I don't think she really went into it um, as much as she has with anything else. And that's probably part of the reason why she's putting out new music so soon, just to kind of jump over that speed bump. Don't be angry for that long. Yeah. And it is interesting. And I certainly give her the right to need to get all of those things out. And it seems pretty obvious that it was an important thing for her. I, you know, Red, I loved. 1989, I loved. Reputation was hard for me. I really... I really didn't like it, I think, when it came out. Um, I tried to be fair in the review. But that album never really clicked for me until I saw her last fall on the Reputation Tour. And seeing it live, it was such a spectacle that it finally clicked and made sense for me. And ever since then, I've really enjoyed listening to not all of Reputation. I think it's probably like three or four tracks too long. But um, by and large, there's a lot that I kind of came to like with that album. It's never going to be my favorite of hers. But what stuck out to me the most in watching the Reputation Tour was how hard it was to pull off her older work. Because everything about that tour and that setup with the darkness and the snakes and the flames, and it's hard to hear her perform You Belong With Me with that backdrop. <laughs> like it just, <laughs> It was clear that like all of her other music before that did not fit with that aesthetic at all. Um, and that's kind of what made me think at the time I was like, there's gotta be another pivot coming because in order to like, still be able to play all these songs to still be able to tour on this, to still be able to kind of develop that catalog, there's going to have to be another shift. And that feels like what we kind of have on our hands right now. Yeah, no, it, uh, me is definitely a super happy song. Um, dare I say an aggressively happy song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
but it it just sounds like it sounds like it's genuine uh, writing from her. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I am embarrassed about the lyrics, but <laughs> you know I have been before, and I've been proven wrong time and time again. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of lyrical depth here, right? I mean, th- this song to me feels designed to just let Brendan and Taylor have fun together to make a cool music video to kind of have that moment. And that's exactly what it accomplished. I don't, I don't think there was any other deeper purpose to the song um, other than maybe, I don't know, I guess artistically, if you want to try to find something, you can see Taylor kind of embracing herself after that period with reputation um, and just kind of fighting for joy and kind of having that moment to smile and have fun again. I guess maybe that's what it is. But to me, it just, I, I think it's just an excuse to kind of have a good time. Um, tell me a few of the things, what are, what do you like about the song and what are you not crazy about? And I guess you already talked about the lyrics and I, it's hard to fight. It's hard to argue for the song <laughs> lyrically, but I don't know. No. Um, what I, my thing is I love instrumentation. Uh, Part of the one of the just one of the many reasons I didn't really get into Reputation is it was very bare bones. It was very R and B. Um, relied more on the beat than it did on, uh, you know, the melody or instrumentation behind it. And it just it didn't really resonate with me like anything else did. I what I like about this is the music is back. Um, it's very bright. It's very happy. Uh, for as much as you want to put it down for you know just what the message is, it's. It's just so catchy. You can't help but just kind of enjoy it. Uh, the thing has, it racked up like 60 million views in 24 hours or something like that. I was at least 10 of those. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other thing I like is she's willing to step back from it and let Brendan take up a significant portion of that song. Like he doesn't play a small part in it. Yeah, I was expecting that he might have like a backup thing on the chorus he has like a whole verse i mean he's a major part of that song yeah so it's just kind of interesting to see and i agree with you i mean you know it's not gonna rank in my top 10 taylor swift songs obviously but yeah i found it stuck in my head uh, you know over the weekend i mean it it accomplishes what it sets out to do in, in that way now the really interesting thing to talk about for me is the music video, which I think is just absolutely gorgeous. And you and you mentioned all the plays it's ranked up. I think it now officially is like the most viewed video in a 24-hour period by a, a female artist or something like that. So congrats to Taylor Swift on that. I mean, that, <laughs> you're, when you're this far into her career and you just had an album that kind of the general populace was either lukewarm on or... You know, I, I don't think Reputation was necessarily anybody's favorite album. To still be able to pull that off at this point, like, that's fucking incredible. Um, and she clearly still kind of has the power to own the moment like that. And the video is the perfect way to do that. It's just so colorful, so beautiful. I, I've already mentioned Brendan's dancing and just like, just, it's so awkward and they're just like having fun with it. And I, I don't know, there's something that's just, it's delightful to watch even though i don't really i'm not crazy about the song i could just watch the video and enjoy it strictly as that type of medium as opposed to a song yeah no that's uh one of the things i'm really hoping for and i what i do hope that the uh video is kind of alluding to for the album is you know when you have a music video it's just a lot of lip syncing and stuff but they both genuinely seem like they're happy and they're really enjoying what they're doing and 
you can kind of see it in just the way they're just prancing around the stage and everything and uh you know writing in the umbrellas and stuff like it they just seem so happy and that's what i really enjoy about it and i'm really looking forward to hearing more yeah so my top three moments from the video that I'll share, one is obviously the snake, because that was just such a brilliant opening. I, I think I probably could have predicted that something like that might happen, but actually seeing it was really cool. Um, two, the dance scene with Brendan in the red uh, sports coat is just, I could watch it on a loop. I, I need to make a <laughs> gif of that opening Brendan dance move because it's just so awesome. And then at the end of the video, when he's like shooting like the color up into the sky and she's holding the umbrella and it's kind of like raining down on top of her and like flowing out into the street. Like it's just such a an incredible like climax to that video. Um, I, I don't know. The whole thing is just great. And I just love people have talked for so long now about how like, Oh, music videos are dead. And I've argued against that relentlessly. I mean, if anything, they're, they're more alive than they have been in, in, in quite a while, just because, I mean, people do watch video. I mean, YouTube is, is you can put out a video that makes like has record views in it's first 24 hour period in 2019 for a reason. Like people are watching this stuff and the fact that we're able to consume it like on almost any device, like, and believe me, I loved the MTV days. I grew up on MTV. I, I understand the change that we've had in that regard, but to say that music video is dead as an art form is just flat wrong. And this weekend proved it. I mean, that this video was everywhere and it's going to continue to be everywhere for the next couple of months until we find out when this album is coming out. So to me, there, there's just still so much power in it. Yeah, no, I think the only argument is that it's too easy to do a bad music video. Uh, it's sure. far too simple to put that together, <laughs> like on a moment's notice. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, there were always bad music videos, too. Oh, I yeah. Mean, you know, I mean, it just, it, yeah, it was probably harder to make a bad music video because there was like more time involved. Now anybody can, you know, grab their mobile device and, and shoot a video. But um, I think in terms of just what I mean is, as a larger like art form in the ways that of like big music video directors, the creativity and room that they have to make something like super cool that we haven't seen before. That's still a thing and it's still happening. And this video is kind of an example of that in my mind. Mm -hmm. No, I so, completely agree. <laughs> so one, when do you think that we're going to get the album or even the announcement of the release date for the album and two, where do you? How much do you predict enjoying this album? Is this an album that you think could potentially be a favorite of yours? I know we have so little to go on; it's ridiculous to ask this right now, but we got to do it because we're podcasting about it. What are what are your what's your anticipation level, and what are you expecting to happen? These are terrible questions, and I look forward to asking or answering them. Boo! <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, just from the color aesthetic. aesthetic I apparently can't talk anymore. Uh-oh. Uh, just from the colorful aesthetic, how uh, happy and energetic it is, I would assume it's a summer album or something akin to it. Uh, yeah. I would imagine, you know, we'll get the announcement almost imminently. Uh, and it just seems like something she'd put out just in time for a summer tour. Um, you know, Reputation was a dark album. It was something that fit being released in the fall. Uh, this is not the same case. This is something that you know, she's going to want to promote out in the summer heat where everyone's just out in the sun and they're having fun. Um, as for enjoying it, 
I really hope so. Uh, I really like the music. I like just kind of thematically, just visually what she's doing with it. If that's any indication to go on for the energy behind the album, I think there's a possibility it could dethrone 1989 to be my second favorite behind red. Uh, just depending on what, what it is. Uh, you know, if it, kind of stays with the same positive themes but just has a few more songs that uh you know have some depth to them have some real instrument instrumentation oh my god uh you know i i can really see myself just being absolutely in love with it yeah i've got high hopes for it as well um you know i when it comes out we'll certainly do a best of taylor swift podcast like we we do for other artists because i think it's it's time to do that but um you know, I, and I think we're the same and that Red is my favorite of hers and 1989 is, is my second favorite. And it's hard to imagine something topping those for me. I'm certainly open to it and I'd be interested in it. Um, but those are albums that I hold in pretty high regard. So I, I expect that I'm going to enjoy it more at the onset uh, than I did Reputation. Um, but I, I would be shocked that if it, it reaches kind of those other two for me. And the interesting thing for me, I mean, there's so much great pop music due to come out like this summer and this year. I mean, Carly Rae Jepsen is obviously a a massive one for me and I've talked forever about, I mean, she's really my, my favorite artist uh, right now. So I'm excited for what um, she has coming out and some of her early singles have been awesome. Uh, Halsey, Dua Lipa. I mean, there's so much great music on the horizon and it'll be interesting to see how Taylor Swift kind of fits into all of that. It definitely feels like there's a lot of artists kind of leaning into a little bit happier sound right now. And I don't know if that's a pop music thing that's happening as sort of a uh, a knee-jerk, like involuntary reaction against just how shitty things have seemed for a few years in general. Um, but I could almost see that being the case. And I got to say, I kind of like it. Like, I like the idea of that tone kind of being the the anthem of like what we're hearing in pop music right now i have no idea if that's even a thing i'm probably just making stuff up for no reason but i like to tell myself that i guess oh you're absolutely making up but uh (laughs) (laughs) like music is always reactionary and they always kind of goes with the time so it it really does just kind of push back against whatever the mood is currently and uh things are suck everyone just seems angry. So it it only makes sense that a lot of music would try to push towards something happier, something more inspiring just to kind of uh, lift above that. And then when things kind of settle down a few years, uh, I anticipate more broken hearts uh, being recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Come through for us for now, Taylor, please. We're counting on you. Um, Okay. That's kind of, is there anything else we're missing on this? Um, I, I think we've kind of covered it. What am I? What have I not brought up that needs to be addressed? How gorgeous her dress was. Oh, okay. You can talk <laughs> about that. I, I uh, <laughs> the which one? That was the one that was like a waterfall dress where she's sitting on top of that building. That one was cool. I stand by my statement. Have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. This is the fun you can have on a podcast when you don't really outline what you're going to talk about and you just press record. <laughs> so you're welcome, everybody. Um, cool. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for now. Uh, we are back on the podcast wagon. There's some cool stuff coming up. Uh, I've got a couple, 
well, at least one interview lined up uh, that should come out in a couple weeks that I'm really excited about. And I'm not going to tell you what it is until it's here. But uh, just know that there's another album getting uh, ready to come out early this summer that I'm personally excited about. And we're going to talk with somebody uh, that is a part of that album um, and much more. It's, I feel like I'm back in the mood, back in the saddle, ready to dust off the old microphone. Uh, actually, um, I have still been podcasting. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, something you might enjoy. I recently launched a new podcast uh, with a friend of the It's All Dead podcast, Brock Benefield. He joins us from time to time on this show. Uh, he and I have started a new podcast called Decade Rewind. And we look back at events, uh, news, pop culture, movies, sports, uh, just general culture events that happened 10 years ago and talk about how they uh, impacted our lives and what they mean now in the uh, larger conversation in, in 2019. It's a really fun podcast. So uh, if you like this one, you might like that one too. Look it up. Decade Rewind. Hit subscribe. Leave a review for that one as well. I know we're asking a lot of you, but uh, hey, we're giving you this content for free, you know? So uh, we, we could uh, launch a subscription service and make you pay $9.99 a month, but we don't do that. We're just giving it up. Here it is. Here's our dumb voices and uh, hope you like it. <laughs> um, oh boy. Yeah, I, I'm still getting back in the groove here. That's it. Uh, we talked about Taylor Swift. Kyle, thank you for coming on uh, to talk about this delightful video and the interweaving uh, careers and lives of Brendan Urie and Taylor Swift. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me, sir. Until next time, uh, you've been listening to It's All Dead. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you then. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.